0: What does the recent Pokemon Presents tell us about the current state of the Pokemon series? And VGC gave us a report about Nintendo Switch 2 coming in late 2024. So i lay down my predictions of what I believe the next generation of Nintendo hardware will be. So if you love Nintendo, you've found your home. Come on in. Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 Power Star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and The Doors, episode 252, are open. Hope you're going well, hope you're having a fantastic day, wherever and whenever you're checking out the show. It's great to be back, it was really fun to record the first episode for a couple of months last week. And uh, in that episode, I tried out some brand new things with different camera angles, and uh, actually... Wanting the the back background and that to look pretty pretty good on video, so if you haven't already, go to youtubecom Idruby check that out, and uh, hopefully we won't have some of the technical issues I had last week. Uh, I had a real hard time syncing up the audio; it was um, the audio drift was pretty insane. So this episode is a little bit late. I've been sort of troubleshooting some ideas to try and make that work. So if you're seeing this or you're hearing this, that means it worked. Thumbs up for Drew. So thank God for that. But over the last week as well, I have really sort of appreciated some really kind messages from some of you guys, just about what I talked about last week, you know, very personal, very sort of, um, you know, yeah, very personal, um, topic that I talked about last week. So thank you very much for the very kind messages and, um, just, uh, messages that you're happy that I'm back because I'm happy that I'm back. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, Speaking of um, just happy that I'm back, but, uh, we actually got three brand new Apple podcast reviews last week. Goodness gracious, we usually get maybe one a month if we're lucky. Hell, maybe one a quarter if we're lucky. But Three in one week, that is absolutely awesome. Thank you very much to everybody that's left an Apple podcast review. Remember, you can do the same. You can go to your Apple podcast app or Spotify, leave a five-star review. Really helps out the show. But we'll read these reviews throughout the episode. And we'll start off with... Nika Edwards. And their review reads, Great podcast, five stars. Kia ora, mate. My brother recommended I give you a listen late last year. We grew up in a Nintendo household, and being from New Zealand, uh, seems that once the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, there's been a lack of fandom across the ditch for Nintendo games. This is a super awesome podcast, feels very personal, and a must-listen if you're an Nintendo, If you're a fan of Nintendo games, welcome back. Great to hear your voice once again after the break. So, Nick, thank you very much for your review. I really appreciate it. It's really awesome to hear that um, there's some of you guys in New Zealand that are listening to me and uh, really appreciate that. You guys are like our, you know, our brothers over there. So thank you very much. And uh, a big shout out to your brother who recommended the show. That is awesome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And anybody out there who... Wants to help, uh, you know, support the show. That is the best way you can show supporters. Just being like, hey, you might like this show if you like Nintendo or you like this particular form of content. So, big shout out to your brother, Nick. I really appreciate it. So, I'll con- I'll continue to read out some of the Apple Podcast reviews as we go out throughout the-, the episode. But I want to jump into the Pokemon presents. And this was something that I honestly forgot about until the day it happened. I'm like, oh yeah, that's happening. Um, my friend Josh with Nintendo Valley actually sent me a message saying, you keen for the presents? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing that's happening. Um, because honestly, I was not keen for the presents. The one that happened earlier in the year was like, was like one of the biggest letdowns I've ever watched when it comes to like these online presentations from video game companies. I had high expectations that I wanted like, Um, the Pokemon Virtual Console games on Nintendo Switch Online, you know, Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, Onwards and Upwards. Um, I gave up on that idea and I just decided to emulate them. Yes, yes, I did, like a naughty boy. But, um, I don't know, they're not giving us an option to pay for them. So, here we are. So, yes, I was not excited for this Presents, but 10.30 at night, I decided it's time to sit down and really focus on what the Pokemon company wants to show us. And it's exactly what I thought it was going to be um, We have a couple of surprises. There were some cool, you know, cartoons announced. There was a Pokemon trading card um, animation announced called Pokemon Path to the Peak. That looks pretty cool. I think it's pretty neat that there's um, a cartoon based on the Pokemon um, TCG. It's going to be great for kids. I think, you know, maybe not for 29-year-old Drew, but that's fine. As well as a bunch of other stuff, you know, Detective Pikachu, Nintendo Switch Online games, including the Pokemon Trading Card game and Pokemon Stadium 2. We already knew about those. They'll announce the last ones, but they are now available. As well as stuff for Pokemon Go, the mobile games, and the big stuff I cared about, which was Pokemon, Violet, and Scarlet. Scarlet. Scarlet and Violet. Sometimes I say it the opposite way around. I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) Sounds so weird. Um, But yeah, like a bunch of stuff, um, which was all... This is is where I am with the Pokemon series at the moment. And the Pokemon series, it's one of my favourite, favourite series of all time. And just to put it into perspective, I don't have a tattoo. But if I was going to get a tattoo of anything, I would honestly just want like a big Pokemon sleeve on my right arm. I reckon that would be sick. (laughs) I'm not going to start off with like a little like initial of a loved one or something like that. I'm going to just have a big Pokemon sleeve. I saw one on Facebook and I thought it looked sick. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's what I'll get. So, you know, I love Pokemon. Pokemon is a part of me. I, you know, I grew up on it. It's what got me into gaming Nintendo. And I might not be sitting here doing a Nintendo podcast today if it wasn't for Pokemon. But over the last few years, especially since it's gone 3D, the Pokemon series has just gone downhill because of production sort of limits when it comes to making 3D games. They can't crank out the games like they once did with sprites um, you know, it's much more resource intensive, but they do not sort of want to slow down the production and do a, a game every two years. It is a game every year for the most part. Even to the point a few years ago where we got in the span of 12 months, we got Pokemon Legends Arceus, we got Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Diamond and Shining Pearl, and we got Scarlet and Violet, um, two of which were big 3D games that are completely different. And um, Ilka actually handled Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. So not only were they not slowing down things, they're speeding it right up. Um, so I've had my frustrations for a long time when it comes to the Pokemon series, just as far as their quality goes. As far as the creative aspects go, I feel like the, creative, um, the creativity within Game Freak is actually really good. The brand new Pokemon over the last couple of generations has been fantastic. bunch of ideas to get um, competitive play, a lot more of a focus, as well as um, different mechanics throughout the, the games as well. I really like Dynamax. I think uh, that, what's it called? Uh, terraforming? I forgot what it's called. Scout and Scarlet Violet. I've, I've actually shut it out of my head a little bit. Um, but that was pretty neat too. I quite like um, just the creative aspects um, they've put into the series. But I've always been thinking about what is the current state of Pokemon? What is making me so displeased when it comes to the Pokemon series? And I... I do wonder what will make me happy. Because for me, honestly, when I was looking at this Pokemon Presents, what I really wanted to see was just the old games coming to Nintendo Switch Online. The old games being, you know, from Generation 1 to 3, ending with Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, which were, you know, my first Pokemon games. The first games I actually... uh, basically owned myself. Pokemon Sapphire was just a really um, important moment when it comes to me gaming, not just going to friends' places and playing their Nintendo 64s or PlayStation 1s, but actually having my own console and being able to enjoy um, just my own single-player game, which which was absolutely great. But I don't know if I need to sort of look internally and be like, all right, maybe the series just isn't for me anymore. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I've aged out of it. But I I refuse to believe that. I think that... I think Pokemon just needs to sort of step it up. Just, you know, and be in 2023 when it comes to um, the sort of games that they're putting out. Because with Scarlet and Violet, they were a lot of fun. They were a lot of fun to go around the open world, check out, um, you know, brand new Pokemon and do the gyms in different orders. And you've got um, the Team Star bases to do. Like, there's a lot of fun going around, but... There's a lot of sort of issues technically, which is it's just in an awful state. But also just like stuff like I think just simple things like voice acting, even if it's not every single line of dialogue within the game, but just the cutscenes at least make just a tremendous amount of difference to um, just the general feel. Um, people even online have like dubbed <laughs> dubbed the game, and it just makes such a difference. Because um, even games like the Atelier series, they don't even sell like a million copies each. But their voice acted, even if they are Japanese only, but it still makes a difference. Um, yeah. It's um it's frustrating in some respects. But what would what would make me happy? I think just seeing like the current games come to or the older games, sorry, come to Nintendo Switch and just fix up fix up the game. Um and the rest is just up up for debate. I'm not interested in the mobile games as many gems and that as they try and give out when it comes to Pokemon presents. Like, look, I, I, I don't want that type of experience. I don't want to be paying, um, just for gems and that to unlock. Blah 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 blah. Um, but I would like to see the Pokemon games just um, up their quality just a little bit, and hopefully we get that. Hopefully the message has been sent, but with um with the games just saying like twenty million plus each time, it's uh, it's a little bit worrying. But when it comes to the rumors as well, it's not really rumors, but it's just like prediction when it comes to trends with Black and White being the next remakes in the Pokemon series and the Generation uh, 5 um, from DS. I really... <laughs> I honestly really don't want them to remake them, especially after Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I had fun with those games just because they were a retread of what happened before, but... Those games are truly shocking. Like, <laughs> just with how they treated Diamond and Pearl, I'm like, don't you dare do that to Black and White because Black and White are some of the best games in the series. So hopefully we don't see that with uh, with uh, Black and White. But, don't know. I'm um, in a weird place when it comes to Pokemon. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm keen to see the old stuff. But when it comes to the new stuff, it's really not doing too much for me. So... Hopefully we see uh, see some improvements uh, going forward. Maybe with the DLC, who knows? Let's be optimistic, Drew. Let's uh, let's assume there's going to be a big patch. If it's going to be like, oh, this fixes fixes quite a lot of things, and we can play the game and not think about, I don't know, the world imploding <laughs> when when you're in a battle scene. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about the the DLC. But um, I don't know if I'll if I'll pick it up straight away. It's coming out September thirteenth. With um the first the first bit the masked I don't know the masked man I don't know what it's called off the top of my head I don't I don't particularly care <laughs> but uh, hopefully hopefully it's good hopefully it's good so that's the Pokemon discussion the Pokemon presents that's how I feel yeah they they got a bit to prove until then who cares um but before we move on let's jump into some housekeeping. I'd uh, like you just to check out youtube.com slash Ruby Like i talked before, putting a lot more effort into the videos, doing multiple angles for the cameras, all of that stuff. And we do have brand new sleepover episodes of the House of Mario. So this is a brand new sort of sub-series I've introduced within the podcast where I introduce... Uh, brand new guests to the show. Last week I had Seth Sturgill, which was absolutely fantastic. I had a three hour discussion about The Legend of Zelda, as well as a bunch of other things, Kid Icarus, and um, just generally hanged out. It was great to catch up with Seth. He's one of my favorite people of all time. I love him so much. And we had a great discussion for hours and hours, even after we stopped recording. So if you want a um, great conversation, go and check out that episode with Seth. And um, just today, actually, at the time of recording, a brand new episode with none other than the House of Mario's ex-co-host, Bryce DeWitt, is up right now. It's a Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom spoiler cast. And um, the first 27 minutes are actually spoiler free. And we talk about just where Bryce has been over the last, <laughs> last few months. Um, but that was a lot of fun. It was great the podcast with Bryce again and we got really nitty and gritty into the Legend of Zelda. So if you finish the game, if you've rolled credits, if you've beaten the last boss... Go and check that podcast out. It was a lot of fun. On uh, YouTube.com, there's actually uh, clips of The House tomorrow. We're introducing clips to YouTube.com idruby Go and check out the clips. If you don't want to sit through the whole show, there will be clips there for you to check out. Um, but apart from that, just follow us on uh, podcast services, YouTube, Spotify, give us a five stars, and I'll read them out on the show. Just like this one from Compi. So Compi says, the one Nintendo pod to rule them all. And he left. Five stars. So the review reads, Here it is. You found it. If you're looking for a comprehensive Nintendo podcast and a bit of general gaming also, you've come to find the right place. Drew leads the pod with a clear passion for Nintendo and puts his heart into everything that he covers. Do yourself a favour and give it a listen. You will not be disappointed. So hope you're not disappointed, but Compa, thank you very much. Very much appreciate the review and the kind words. So let's move on to my video game 2023 gaming challenge. And last week I mentioned that I was trying to get back into gaming. I was trying to shake off the shackles of, you know, just watching TV and just, you know, not gaming for a couple of months. So I wanted to do that with a couple of shorter games, that I played actually both on Xbox Game Pass through my Asus ROG Ally, which is a lot of fun in handheld mode. And the first game that I played was Planet of Lana. And Planet of Lana is a really beautiful cinematic um, puzzle platformer, which was a lot of fun. It caught me by surprise. Took about four and a half hours to beat. And what was a real standout for this game was just how beautiful it was, but also the soundtrack. And the soundtrack was just jaw-droppingly beautiful as I'm listening through on headphones And playing through the game and just taking in all of the atmosphere that the game offers. The whole premise of the game is basically you're in a small village. You're going off, you're looking for your friend. But then like these aliens invade. This big spaceship comes down, all these metal sort of beings just kidnap everybody and take them off. And it's just you who um, you're playing as Lana and you're off to find your friend and you know, save your tribe from what's going on. And there's no dialogue in the game. It's all left up to interpretation. Maybe similar to a game like Limbo or something like that. But Planet Planet of Lana, it's just beautifully hand-drawn. The um, colours just pop. And it's just a tremendous experience going through it. And typically for me, I'm not like really into puzzles necessarily. But throughout the game, you come across different situations where you've either got to use stealth to get around these particular creatures or, you know, you're just working out puzzles like trying to um, try and figure out just like a simple puzzle. There's one with like dots you've got to line up and all that. But typically there was only one of those puzzles. The rest is more like stealth-based, getting around things in 2D. You do have a companion. It's like this little cat-monkey thing. It's really cute. It's called Mia. And you can control that with um, the right trigger. And you're able to point it in different directions and help distract and use its abilities to open up paths. And things like that. It's just a really sweet game. But what really sort of put it into the, just one of my favorite games of the year. Honestly, I gave it a four out of five stars when I was um, just thinking about how much I love the game. There was a moment where it just, the camera just draws right back. It shows the horizon and like a, a, an actual song just like kicks in. And it goes for about four minutes and you're just like running to the right and you're taking in all the atmosphere, the surroundings and everything that the game has to offer just to this beautiful song. Um, And straight away, after I finished the game, I went to Apple Music and I found the album and I listened to it every day. And uh, it's interesting because this game may have introduced me to one of my favorite songs released in 2023. Uh, So... Who knows, it might not be my favorite game of 2023. You know, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has that pretty pretty wrapped. We'll see if anything can beat it. But this game was, I don't know where I'd put it, whether it's in my top 10 or not. I have to work that out. But definitely one of my favorite soundtracks of the year. It's absolutely beautiful. So if you're interested in the games on Xbox Game Pass, PC and Xbox. Um, but if you just want to listen to the soundtrack, it'll be on Spotify and Apple Music as well. So go and check that out. It's really awesome. And the second game that I beat this week was Vemba. And uh, Vemba's really cool as well. Let me just... I think uh, I better just bring up um, exactly the description that the developers put. Vemba is a narrative cooking game developed and published by uh, Visier Games. The game is on all the platforms. And uh, it starts in the 1980s, and it takes course over ne- nearly 30 years. And the characters that you're um, interacting with is a family of three. So you got mum, dad, and their son. And it's really sort of interesting how um, this game works. The main gameplay mechanic is cooking. So you're cooking Indian cuisine, which I is super satisfying. I was playing with headphones on, as I believe everybody should when they're playing games. And I think the sound design in this especially was really sort of eye-opening just how delicious this game sounds, like the sizzling of the ingredients as you chuck them into the pan. And the whole idea of the game is you're following like a cookbook, but every now and again, there's some ingredients that are sort of scribbled out and you can't see them. So you've got to sort of work out um, the ingredients of what the dish is. And when you complete the dish, it continues on the story. And um, the story for me was a highlight. This is a very short game. It's about an hour and a half to complete. What was uh, really cool about it as I guess as a, a brand new father is the game starts off with um, a mum and a dad. They just moved to Canada from India and they're working out how they can live. They get pregnant and the game sort of kicks forth a few years to when they've got a baby, kicks forth again to when they've got like a young son, et cetera, et cetera, and you know, the son's grown up and moved on. But it was just a really sweet narrative story, which I would recommend to anybody. It doesn't take up too much time. It's on all the platforms, Nintendo Switch. But um, if, yeah, if you've got access to Xbox Game Pass, perfect game for that. Because uh, maybe for an hour and a half, say 20 bucks might be a little bit of a stretch for you. But I think it's worth it. If it's on sale or you can get it a part of a subscription, definitely check it out. It's um, really touched my heart as far as some of the the sort of themes the game sort of um, sort of works out. Because it's very much about a family that, you know, with their son growing up. And eventually their son wants to sort of push back against their Indian culture. And wants to become, you know, I guess more quote unquote normal within like the Canadian means um, as far as like the Western society goes. And even touches upon like some some like racism towards um, Indians within uh, Canada as well as a scene. It doesn't push it f- too much, but you can sort of gain from it that that's the message they're putting forward. And yeah, it's just a really great, great narrative story. So go and check it out, Vember, on all the platforms. So this week for the Guru Geek Out, this is a tribute to my late friend, Bobby Pauls, a Nintendo guru. I want to just geek out about my brand new iPad. I got a brand new iPad Pro, 12.9 inch. And I got this because recently there's been um, Apple's video editing software that's been added to iPad. Final Cut Pro is now on the iPad. And with sort of my lifestyle now, I thought it'd be great if I could like take something as portable as an iPad with me and I can edit videos and do all that stuff and also some of the reality of that Final Cut Pro on like the, the computer, a little bit complicated um, but it's uh, really dumbed down on the iPad and for me, that's great because over the last week of really utilising the software to edit together the house of Mario, it's really been useful doing the different camera angles and all that. Um, it's been um, absolutely fantastic, so I'm really happy with uh, sort of my setup. And over the last couple of days, too, I've been working out like what things can I actually do on the iPad that um, um that I that I don't need a computer for necessarily. And I think for the most part, I've um, got it down to everything on the iPad, so I can do the video and do the audio, do the uploads, and everything from the from the iPad. So really excited about that. So. Really been enjoying using that as well as just watching some anime and doing, you know, just a lot of YouTube and TV on it as well. It's been absolutely fantastic. So really enjoy the brand new iPad. And um, as far as a shout out goes as well, I want to give a shout out to my friend Lockliff from Carpool Gaming and also has our own YouTube channel um, just called Lockliff. And the other day I was sitting down doing some planning, doing some stuff for the podcast and I thought I would chuck up just a, a nice, relaxed stream. And Lockliff was streaming Animal Crossing at the time. And um, it was just really nice, just having a nice, relaxed sort of stream up in the background. And typically for me, I don't really do that. But um, she just happened to be live when I was on YouTube at the time. And she does an absolutely fantastic job over on her YouTube channel. I believe she's hit over a 1,000 subscribers. So huge congratulations to Lockliff. Absolutely deserved and um, her presence on the Nintendo Drive, um, Nintendo podcast at Carpool Gaming as well is absolutely fantastic. I love how she sort of evens out <laughs> Seth and Sean in some ways. So yeah, definitely go over to, go and check her out on uh, the Nintendo Drive as well as uh, her YouTube channel, Lockleaf. So very cool. Let's jump into Reggie's Rec Room. And this is where I want to put down some predictions for the next Nintendo system. And we've had a question from Lemonade, and he asked, with rumors starting to happen again about the next system, what do you want to see from a a Switch successor? uh, Just the same thing, but more powerful, or something different? And this is a hard question to ask, because, like, really, what I really want is something that is improved from Nintendo Switch. But I think there's something lost if Nintendo doesn't put forward a brand new idea that, um you know, changes gaming even a little bit. With Switch, it very much was like, look, it's a, a system that can swap from the TV to a handheld. You can take it with you. But it wasn't just that. It was what they did with the Joy-Cons, how you could use motion controls, how you could take them off. You could do two-player gaming wherever you want to play it. There's a lot of sort of changes that just the Joy-Cons brought them in themselves. So, like, yes, I really want to see a brand new switch that's a portable but also i think there's some ideas they could implement as well that could really bring some brand new gameplay possibilities that the switch couldn't bring because for the most part if they do just an update i think it might be a little bit i think a lot of people are sort of happy with the nintendo switch when it comes to families and young kids and maybe parents that aren't really engaged in gaming um, but when it comes to like you and i who are sitting here listening to a nintendo show I think it's gonna be gonna be a pretty easy upgrade. I'm like, yes, I'm very much ready. I've been talking about this for a little while, keen to <laughs> see what it's all about. Oh man, I can't wait for it. But yeah, for me, yeah, definitely want um, a kick up when it comes to the technical aspect of it, but I wouldn't count Nintendo out for putting in something that will enhance gaming or maybe just a gimmick that'll be forgotten about after the last year. Because it's easy to forget, like, with the HD rumble and the Joy-Cons and the the AR sensor in the bottom of the left Joy-Con, there's a bunch of technology in the Switch that just doesn't get used. But you are paying for when you buy one. And you buy buy those Joy-Cons for $120 each, which is uh, a little bit uh, ridiculous. But um, the last week we've had a pretty, I guess, um, reliable source when it comes to VGC, when it comes to their rumours. And there's nothing too outrageous here, um, but we will just go through the first half of the article to um, get some of the information. So the article from VGC reads, according to multiple people with knowledge of Nintendo's next generation console plans, the company is likely to release a new hardware um, during the second half of 2024 to ensure that it has ample stock available on day one to avoid the kind of shortages seen with PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series XS although specific details on the console are kept closely guarded. Those VGC spoke with indicated that the next generation console would be able to be used in portable mode, similar to the Nintendo Switch. Two sources VGC spoke to suggested that the console could launch with an LCD screen instead of the more premium OLED in order to bring down costs, especially considering the increased storage needed for higher fidelity games. The current Switch comes with just 32 gigabytes of internal memory, while many next-generation PlayStation and Xbox games are over 100 gig. It is likely that the predecessor to the uh, Nintendo console will also accept physical games via the cartridge slot, uh, the sources said. Other details such as backwards compatibility support for Switch games physical and digital remain unclear, Nintendo has said it wants to convert as many of Nintendo Switch's uh, 100 million user base as possible to its next system. Although some third-party publishers are said to have expressed concern that legacy support for Switch games could ne- negatively affect sales of next-generation games. So we'll end it there. It's um, it's kind of uh, fascinating just the whole aspect of going back to an LCD screen. That's something I'm really gonna be disappointed with if I don't have an OLED option. And it's, it's, it's sort of interesting. It's like kind of like, you know, with the whole thing of like having an upgrade to a Switch, a brand new portable system, like imagine if like an iPad did that where like the screen just got worse in like the same model as you're going forward. It's, it's kind of frustrating. And if it does have backwards compatibility, like playing Switch games, is gonna look a lot worse <laughs> going to an LCD screen. So frustrating. I hope that's not a thing. Um, even when it comes to like more internal memory, like the internal memory for like 32 gig in the Switch, that is not expensive when it comes to make, making some of these ch- um, just changes when it comes to doing a cheaper screen. I would love to see an option for two, but I think it's smart for Nintendo to actually keep it limited just to one skew, make it super simple Cause that's what made the switch so appealing in the first place is just, it was really simple. The idea was pretty basic and you can't make a mistake with getting a, a model with barely any storage or something like that. So that's, that's the report from VGC. So personally for me, I reckon that it's, I, I think it's um, I've always sort of suggested that I think it is going to come out um, at the end of 2024 and um, some people suggest that it might come in March, similar to what the Nintendo Switch did. But I believe Nintendo's is in just such a completely different situation as they were when the Wii U was the current console. Now, the Wii U was discontinued over the Christmas break. They did not have Wii U's um, in circulation for months before the Switch came out. So the Switch was just like, all right, you know, they ripped the Band-Aid off, they took the Wii U out of production And with Switch, they needed to get it out whenever they could. And um, after the Christmas break, it seemed a little bit strange, but that's when they could have enough to supply demand and have the games ready as well. But when it comes to successes to the Switch, the main thing is that they do not want to sort of hamper the Christmas sales over the rest of 2023. They've got so many games coming out. They've got a brand new Mario game coming out. They've got a lot of life left in Switch. I dare say internally, they're really gunning to have a world record for the biggest install base for any console when it comes to beating the PlayStation 2 at 155 million units. So, you know, there's a lot of life left in Switch. We have not even had a price cut for Switch. So who knows when that's going to happen? I suspect that it won't happen this year. But going into 2024 and the lead up to the next console, that's when we will start seeing a, a price cut. And it would be interesting to see where the current Switch fits in to what their future plans are. Will the next Switch just be a significant upgrade that is backwards compatibility, um, that has backwards compatibility, sorry, and the current Switch can be still sold at a cheaper price and um, can basically just bolster its huge install base, or will it be a hard cutoff being like, all right, you know, we're we're moving on, please buy the next one, for goodness gracious. Um, I reckon it could be either of those, Um, but this is Nintendo's most popular most successful console ever and it's going to be hard for them to let it go so it'll be <laughs> i can't wait to see what they do in that respect but definitely not going to be coming out of march definitely going to be a product it's focused for christmas time most likely 2024 they've seen console sales slow down so unless they don't want to do a price cut and just have it as the current system they're not going to go on too much longer as it's the only system So. um that's what I think. But as, as far as like a gimmick goes, they are going to have the portable nature still. I think they are going to have like some more NVIDIA tech within the system itself. Back with the Switch, um, there wasn't that much faith that it was actually going to be a really popular system. And there was no predicting that it was going to be the comeback, <laughs> the biggest comeback of all time when it comes to gaming from a, a system that sold 13 million units across the globe to one that's really stretching to $130 million. Um, There's no predicting that. So when it comes to like Nvidia, when they're like, these are the chips we, we can use and these are the type of supply we're willing to make, there was sort of, I dare say there wasn't as much faith when it comes to that. But I dare say with the success of the Switch, Nvidia, Nvidia is going to be very interested in making a, a custom chip just for Nintendo and putting a bunch of technology in there for a cheaper price. Um, stuff like DLSS that could be activated when you put it in the dock to do upscaled 4K. I think that's very important to have a 4K output when it comes to the dock. When it comes to the actual unit itself, I don't think it's going to be anything over 720p. And honestly, after playing the ASUS ROG Ally, that's at 1080p, there really isn't that big a need for 1080 You can notice it, but it's not that uh, that big a jump especially for the lack of battery life that we'll be seeing when just the the bump in re- resolution. Because it is like double the resolution, like, but it isn't that noticeable when it actually comes to the screen itself. But when it comes to an actual gimmick, I don't know what they can do. I think I'd like to see just an improved version of the Joy-Cons. I think it's, in some ways, I'd love just to see a unit that's like a Switch Lite, which is just a handheld. It's all together. It doesn't feel like wonky when... Um, like, you know, for example, when the Joy-Cons go on, there's a bit of wiggle room there. That makes it feel like a little bit more of a toy to me, but also the, just the benefits of being able to take the controller off and use it when it's on the TV and all the things that the Switch brings. I think that's important too. So I wouldn't like to see that go away, but I'd like to see that just improved, better grips, um, and maybe some more utilization when it comes to the actual motion controls themselves, um, better pointer controls. But when it comes to like the real creative aspect of what the next system can do, That's something I can't guess. That's something that uh, the geniuses at Nintendo will have to come up with. (laughs) Um, But I believe that it won't just be just a real straightforward whatever upgrade. But I could be wrong. (laughs) Even with the Wii, they were very confident in the Wii U, but they still did like a drastic change to the controls and all that with the Wii U gamepad. They didn't have to do that. I think they just saw Apple's success with uh, the iPad and be like, all right. We'll, um, we'll utilize that also with our success with the DS and we'll also put the motion controls in it and uh, it's a Swiss army knife. But yeah, that's the most interesting and uh, unknown thing to me because I'm pretty confident in saying that like it's release time um, late next year, about November, maybe a little bit earlier for the Christmas rush. But when it comes to the gimmick, not quite sure, but it's going to hold on to everything that the Switch is doing. As far as backwards compatibility, this was also a an issue that was brought up over the last couple of weeks as well. Just the fact that developers and publishers were outright saying that um, they didn't want backwards compatib- uh, compatibility in the Switch so they could sell uh, you know, old versions of games again. And that's something that Nintendo really benefited with um, the move from Wii U to Switch, <sighs> which is, uh, you know, because they were able to sell Donkey Kong, Tropical Freeze again, Mario 3D World again, Super Mario, New Super Mario Bros. U again. Like, there were so many games that were ported from Wii U and really fleshed out the Switch's library. Of course, um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So it it kind of, in some ways, it sort of goes against their interest to do backwards compatibility, but they really need to include it, I feel like. If they want people to happily move over and move over quickly um, to the next system and continue to sell games at the clip that they're selling on Switch it'd be really important to have backwards compatibility. Like with my with my library on Nintendo Switch, I've got like over 300 games and the whole thing of them just being locked to the Switch. Even for me as like a hardcore Nintendo fan, it's going to be hard to sort of like justify moving to another system when I've got so many games on the Switch and there's no point moving over. So it is um, an interesting thing, but I hope that Nintendo does make the right decision and have backwards compatibility. Because we've seen with Red Dead Redemption from Rockstar and 2K Games, they're just releasing um, Red Dead Redemption, the original game, on Switch and PlayStation 4. And while it's not a big deal for Nintendo users because we have never had Red Dead Redemption on a Nintendo platform before, it is a weird thing for the PlayStation side of things because people who own the PlayStation 3 version um, have no backwards compatibility with the PlayStation 3 on PlayStation 4 or 5 um, but on the Xbox side of things, you do have access to Red Dead Redemption on Xbox 360, upscaled the 4K, and um, with a bunch of niceties added on Xbox Series X. <laughs> but on the PlayStation side of things, you've got to buy it again for 50 bucks USD, um, which is really really sort of strange, and it kind of sucks for the PlayStation audience, and um, just the fact that they're sort of charging that much as well. Um, yeah, it, it might be something we run on the Nintendo side of things in next generation or generation after, but I hope not because it's going to be a hard sell to move the switch user base over. So hopefully not. And I'm, I'm going to say that we are going to have an o, o, OLD screen, OLED screen. I don't know why I'm saying it like OLED, maybe because I say LCD but I was going to say OLED, but maybe I should say OLED. Yeah. No, it's just, a, it's just something in my brain. I've got to switch over there. Um, but yeah, I really hope it has an OLED. There's there's no denying. So my prediction is that it has an OLED, has a, how big a hard drive? I'm going to say like a 252 hard size hard drive around there anyway. It's not going to go like the full um, 512, but also you're know, going to have a couple hundred megabytes, megabytes, gigabytes. Might have megabytes though. You never know of Nintendo. And uh, yeah with all those um so that's my rough sort of estimate of what it's going to be but um the interesting part is the games the games is what matters the most and this is where the most sort of talk comes into a lot. what's the launch lineup going to look like and what games are we going to see move over to the next generation of switch so i got hux in the discord and he asked a question if nintendo drops new hardware next march let's say what's the lineup uh, to go with it we just got zelda mario would make sense but but how Uh, Pikmin is out and Pokemon probably not due. What's the big game they launch with? So this is something that I really want to cement down and I want on record for when it happens. But there are two games that I am thinking about to be launch pieces for the next generation of Nintendo hardware. And it was super important for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild to be the game that it was at launch, even that it was cross-compatible. Um, with Wii U as well so little people had a Wii U that it just it, did, it didn't matter who cares <laughs> no one's playing it on Wii U even Nintendo fans like you're either buying the Switch or you're trying to save a bit of money for a couple of months and you just buy it on Wii U that's fair enough but for the most part everybody played it on Switch as a Switch game it uh, kickstarted the Switch of you know what it could possibly be with a handheld system that plays AAA games especially games that are as good as breath of the wild so it was super important that that was out and i think nintendo they know that they have to do that again they know that it's not going to be a 2d mario game we're already getting mario wonder so that's not an issue but with new super mario brothers u you know a sort of a plea to the casual gamers that really enjoyed new super mario brothers wii on the wii it didn't really work you know they needed just at launch, I think it's important to have like a, a game for the, the hardcore Nintendo fan. And I think when it comes to just looking at the development cycle between the games that have came out in the past, I think it's obvious that it's going to be a Mario game of some sort. That their one of their biggest franchises. Well, of course, their biggest franchise. And Zelda's nowhere near due. There's, no, there's definitely not going to be a brand new Mario game unless they turn around one in a bit over a year. So good luck with that. Um, If you want to do a sequel to Tears of the Kingdom within a year, do a Majora's Mask, why not, for the next Switch. But I think think the main game will be a Mario game, and it's between a brand new 3D Mario game or Mario Kart. And it could be either of those. I think Mario Kart would be a super interesting option having at launch. It's the biggest game Nintendo's got. It's the biggest selling game on Switch. So just the, the sheer amount of people interested in that game is just the biggest. And when it comes to having a Switch... I feel like it's really hard to imagine someone having a Switch without Mario Kart. It's uh, just the perfect game for people to come over and play. It's fun to play by yourself. It's online. There's a bunch of stuff to it. So I think that's um that that game is it's likely, especially within the first year as well. And then there's the 3D Mario. We haven't seen 3D Mario since Mario Odyssey 2017. It's been a long time. Usually we see 3D Mario games within like three years of one another. And this um this game has basically doubled the um development time. That is with COVID and a bunch of stuff as well. So you can't really compare it apples to apples. But it's been a long time since a, a Mario game. And it's hard to believe that maybe 3D Mario takes longer than Tears of the Kingdom to come out. But with Tears of the Kingdom, I guess it was a sequel and... A 3D Mario game. They might have really gone back to the drawing board and worked out some new mechanics and all that as well. So for what I believe, I believe that it's going to be a brand new 3D Mario game and a Mario Kart will come later in the year. We're sort of seeing what the Mario Kart team has in store when it comes to um, just their development cycle with the DLC. The DLC is sort of, you know, it's going to be ending this year. I think Oh, well, we've got one more, one more pack to go with, Pack 6. So there's going to be a bit of time between then and the end of next year. So it's a pretty good time for a brand new Mario Kart to come out. And the sooner you get a brand new Mario Kart, the sooner you know people are going to be jumping on just for Mario Kart because that is their biggest system seller. So the sooner you can get that out, just the more the more units you're able to sell of that game. Because um, with Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, it came out in May. And that was really great because it's had so long on the market when it comes to the life cycle of the Switch. You wouldn't want to leave Mario Kart to the second year or the third year. That just makes no sense. You want to get it out as soon as possible. So I could see either of those games coming out um, for the launch. And yeah, I don't know which one they would hold. Like, I feel like they have both like approaching the end of development, like around the time the Switch or Switch 2 would be coming out. So I really don't know what it would be. Which one they would say, look, let's put it out now, or this is the one we want to put out for the, the anticipation, like going into the launch window. Maybe I will go Mario Kart. I feel, I'm I'm really confident in both, but Mario, you know, Mario Kart at launch would just be just like a massive killer app. Like it'd be absolutely tremendous. And I'd love to see, you know, with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, it's just a, such a phenomenal game, but, You think about things you can add to it. I'd love to say like a story mode or an open world area. You can go and explore and do different events and things. Maybe even have like more, not like a live service, but just like updates every now and again to maybe some events you can do, Um, whether it's just like Mario Kart tournaments within like the overworld, or you can do like missions like a Mario Kart DS and they update every now and again. And just the obvious things like adding new courses through paid or... Even free DLC through Nintendo Switch Online, I think that'll be that'll be great, um, and that'll be just a tremendous kick kickstart to the next Switch, especially if it's exclusive, which i dare say it will be. But that's something else we need to think about as well. Like, what will be a cross-generation game? Will they want to limit a brand new three D Mario game to just a brand new Switch? Because um, it will sell like twenty million plus easily on Nintendo Switch. But if you've got a, a system that's just starting its life, it might be a little bit more of a a little bit harder to sort of bite that um just bite into that when it's uh when it won't sell nearly as well. But I guess you need to think about the long term thing. Like you use those games to really push the new hardware, get people moved over, and make sure that new system is a success. Because over the lifespan of the next system, it probably Will sell that amount if um, the next switch does um, have the same success. So, yeah, I'd probably make it exclusive if I was Nintendo. I'd like you know really sort of make sure that that system um, kicks ass because it's it's a massive sort of thing to try and hold up to the Switch. Like that was lightning in a bottle for in a lot of ways and um, over COVID and a bunch of things as well. So it's gonna be gonna be tricky, but um they just need to do it for their games that's the most important thing and make it look appealing compared to what the competitions offering which i think a lot of people are like look i don't really care about graphics we're in a sort of we're in an interesting place where like personally for me i you know i love the playstation and pc and xbox i love being able to have it in 4k it looked beautiful bunch of playstation ip look fantastic especially but nintendo they're able to put put out like a game month whether it's from them or a second party or a third party deal that they've organized they're able to do a game a month and that's purely from them just not having to use as many resources on games because they're not as big to make not as long to make like uh, they're not on a six-year development cycle with a 200 million dollar budget um, you know stuff like Pikmin and WarioWare and a Mario mario rpg remake and all that like you know they're able to do them pretty easily because of the of the limitations of the switch they don't have to they're not known for their graphics they don't have to push too much and they can take more risks on different titles you know they can have just i don't know a remake of, of advanced wars which doesn't really move the needle they can do a a second party partnership um with platinum games for bayonetta and um a bunch of other stuff it's a uh, so, for me, I, I'm not too worried about the power. I think if they can land it around uh, a PlayStation 4 with uh, those types of games, I think Nintendo games are going to look great. I think there's a bunch of potential third party games that could easily be, be ported over, which is exciting. As well as just like going forward, you know, PlayStation 4, for a lot of um, its aspects, is still being supported by you know, a good amount of third party publishers. Maybe in the next couple of years, that's going to die right down, but. Over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of games also come to PlayStation 4. And that's something we going to keep in mind for the launch as well. When it came to the launch of the Switch, a lot of publishers just sort of fought to themselves, or not even to themselves, I dare say they said it straight to Nintendo's face and everybody else that they talked to, just like, look, we don't see this being a thing. Handheld gaming is dead. Your sort of success of the Wii U was not adequate enough. We do not want to waste money porting games to this very unique part of piece of hardware. And they've been proven wrong over the years. A bunch of third-party games have eventually come to switch. Even to the point where like, you know, we're now finally getting Red Dead Redemption and the Batman games and a bunch of stuff that didn't make it even over earlier. So I think with launch, we're gonna see like a lot of games that Third-party publishers have really been itching to get over to the Switch, but just the Switch, you know, just technically couldn't handle it. Stuff like Elden Ring, you know, that that runs on lower-end PCs, oh, NPCs, um, on PCs as well as PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And, the, you know, the, the um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, um, that's being ported to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, I assume, but I just heard PlayStation 4. Um, a really strange sort of um, move to port that game back to older generation games or consoles. And it makes me wonder, like, it's like, look, fair enough. I know that there's a lot of PlayStation 4s out of there, but a lot of the, the hardcore PlayStation audience is on PlayStation 5. So when you think about, like, doing the PlayStation 4, like, how many people is, is that going to open up? But my sort of theory is that they're also doing that version to port it back, and then it can also be available on next-generation Nintendo hardware that runs at a similar spec. And um, who knows, maybe the next-generation Switch will actually keep the PlayStation 4 um, alive in some ways because it may as well be in PlayStation 4 if it's also on Switch 2. A similar sort of thing that happened to the PlayStation 2 when it comes to... Uh, the Wii, like a lot of games were on Wii and they're also on PlayStation 2 and they sort of looked after one another because it made it worth it putting it on each platform because those two at a very similar spec even though they are, you know, technically much weaker platforms compared to, compared to Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. So sort of a lot to think about there. I think it's going to be a great launch lineup from Nintendo. I think they've had a bit of time to at least get something within the Mario series organized. And hopefully they've got a nice roadmap and the third party support this time. I expect to be much better Um, with a bunch of games. We're really keen to play handheld, even though maybe if you've got a steam deck or something, you might've already experienced a lot of these bigger games handheld, but uh, you know, for a Nintendo fan, it's going to be great just um, having some of these things in our hands and being able to play them that way. So yeah, I think that basically ends my predictions so basically, what I think is, I think it's going to be a very similar device to Nintendo Switch with a brand new sort of gimmick or an improved gimmick from the Switch. And um, as far as launch lineups go, brand I'm going to go Mario Kart. Oh God, I don't know. It's such a, it's literally a toss up between them two. I don't know which one they'll do, but I'm going to go Mario Kart because I think um, that's their their biggest game. They're, they're not going to be mucking around. Like they're going to be a little bit nervous at Nintendo HQ. So Mario Kart. Um, and just updates, bunch of stuff, hopefully a, a story mode, open world sort of section. I reckon that will be dope with the Mario Kart mechanics and um, third parties as well are going to show up pretty well for Nintendo Switch 2. So yeah, cool. Hopefully that turns out to be true. Let me know in the future if I got that right. Let's well, start wrapping up the show with Doug Bowser's hot takes. So you can send in your hot takes that you'll like me to defend via my email at drewatthehouseofmario.com and this week... I've got, this is a really strange uh, thing to defend, but it's just, uh, God. Remember region locking? Bring that back on Switch 2. So that's what I've got to defend. If you remember region locking, uh, it was, well, what was it? Uh, the Switch was the first platform to actually get rid of region locking when it came to playing hardware th- from different countries. So if you wanted the import on your say, Nintendo Wii, GameCube, even DSi, which introduced region locking, 3DS, you couldn't. You had to play games just from your region. And uh, it was great that they actually got rid of that on Switch, but um, now I'm here to really defend region locking, why I want it back on the next platform. So, uh, let's defend region locking. Do you remember region locking? Remember when you were playing your Nintendo Wii or 3DS and you wanted to import that cool Wii game from Japan? But you bloody couldn't. You had to get a brand new console just from that region to play those games. And I say, bring it back. We've got too much flexibility when it comes to games on Nintendo Switch. I can play games from the US, Europe, Japan, even Uruguay. I don't know. I can play it from any country I want. But I don't know. It's a part of me that just wants that to all disappear when it comes to the next generation of Nintendo Switch on Nintendo Switch 2, I want to be limited to just Australia. So when a game goes out of print or stops uh, publishing on the digital ecosystem that we know as Nintendo eShop, we just don't have access to it. I remember back in uh, 2000 and, uh, I don't know 2010 when uh, Mario & Luigi um, Bowser's Inside Story went out of print, and I really wanted to play that game, but I had a DSi. So my only option was to import it from America, and I did not have an American DSi. So could I play that game? No, I could not. Could I download it at the time on the eShop? No, I could not. Um, it was just a, a real, um, it was great actually not being able to play games. <laughs> so when it comes to importing some Hatsumiku Miku games, I don't want that on Nintendo Switch. Not at all. So get rid of it. So yeah, let's get rid of region locking on Nintendo Switch. But that brings us to the end of the house of Mario. I want to thank you very much for listening to episode 252 of the show. You can reach out to me on YouTube and social media at iDruby and let me know of what you thought of the episode with the hashtag. Oh, I don't have a hashtag. Um Pokemon Pokemon presents <laughs> Pokemon presents disappointment. There you go. With the hashtag Pokemon Presents Disappointment. But until next time, guys, the doors to the House of Mario, they're closed. Catch you later. The House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast, is recorded in the southeast of South Australia. It is produced by me, Drew Agnew, and is supported by my kind and generous housemates at patreon.com. Call in for my behind-the-scenes podcast, Seeker Recordings, and Heaps Good, the South Aussie take on a conversational show with my good friend Josh of Nintendvania. A huge shout-out to the legends who support me at the Idruby Patreon Mega Feed tier or higher on Patreon, including Brendan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Samuel Hay, DJ, and Lemonade. Let's continue to make passionate Nintendo content as we climb the stairs to 300. Thank you.